Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry, and you're with The Takeaway. This is Alexis Okeowo, staff writer at The New Yorker. And they're reading here from their most recent piece, The Crisis of Missing Migrants. In the past decade, the Mediterranean Sea and the shores of Italy, Malta, Cyprus, and Greece have become a vast graveyard. As a result of conflict, repression, economic circumstances, famine, and drought, more than 2 million people have tried to cross the Mediterranean to Europe since 2014, mostly from Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. At least 25,000 have disappeared in the crossing and are presumed dead. Most of these bodies remain at the bottom of the sea. Some have washed ashore and been buried in unmarked graves, 2,000 in Italy alone. Alexis's reporting details the ongoing crisis of death and loss as millions attempt the dangerous crossing from sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East to Southern Europe. It's a massive crisis. The most conservative estimate we have is that at least 25,000 people have gone missing on the journey over the Mediterranean trying to make it to Europe. But there are likely tens of thousands of people more. These people have ended up at the bottom of the sea or perhaps in the deserts of North Africa. But it's, it's a huge crisis. And is the crisis new? I mean, this this crossing um, is one that that has gone on at, at, in different waves, but for generations. And so, I'm wondering if something new has happened to um, to really deepen this crisis. One thing is that the reasons for why there are more people taking this dangerous journey across the Mediterranean. Uh, and not surviving have increased because now we have the problems of climate change, drought, um, extreme weather pushing people to migrate in addition to the reasons of political repression, violence, conflict that have pushed people from places like Africa and the Middle East to Europe for decades. Um, We also see a situation now where some Southern European countries are criminalizing Um, aid organizations that are trying to help migrants in the sea. Because crossing the ocean is such a dangerous journey um, and one that migrants are forced to take because there are no usually safer ways to cross to Europe, um, they they risk their lives on a daily basis. And now some countries are uh, prosecuting aid organizations for trying to help migrants in the sea. And What's the, what's result in that is that there are more migrants dying um, in the process because no one is helping them. I want you to help us to understand why this journey is so dangerous for those who might not be fully familiar with the geography or the terrain. What is it that migrants are encountering? Yes. So basically, um, many of the migrants are coming, uh, as I mentioned f- before, from sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and when they're doing that, they need to get to often Libya, which is at the tip of northern Africa, in order to board what is often a rickety boat piloted by human traffickers to get across the ocean so that they can make it to Italy and Malta and Greece. Um, 
because Europe has does not created or allowed sort of safe passageways for migrants to apply for refugee status or asylum or immigration. And so very vulnerable people are getting to Libya. They're often thrown into detention centers for potentially months at a time. Then they pay somewhere in the region, maybe $2,000 to get on a boat. They have to pay more if they want a life jacket. They're often crammed, you know, really tightly onto these boats that, as we've seen, have sunk in the sea, have um, capsized. And, you know, the ones who do make it to Europe count themselves very lucky because it's not a guaranteed outcome. Let's talk a bit about those aid organizations. What are they trying to do and why is it being criminalized? Yeah, what they're trying to do is they see that there are tens of thousands of people disappearing, dying in the ocean, and no one is trying to to, to change this. Um, no, no sort of policy regarding migrants or refugees is actually being affected to alleviate this problem. They um, take their ships out into the ocean and try to help ships that are in distress and um, bring the migrants on board. Um, and then, you know, try to take them to safety and disembark in Southern Europe. But now countries from Greece to Italy are saying, no, you can't disembark on our shores, um, causing a lot of these ships to just sort of float in the sea for a while. And then they've also started um, charging the captains and the staff of these ships um, with, with, with the crime of, of helping migrants um, and saying that they're helping illegal immigration. And so it, it, it's a very you know, um, unfortunate, cruel thing, what they've done in terms of um, really dehumanizing the people making the journey and and further criminalizing just the act of wanting to leave one's home for a better future, for a better life and feeling forced to do that. What What do you say to folks who might respond, um, well, well, look, um, you know, people understand the dangers of this journey. And, you know, certainly no one is is wishing them harm. But, um, but they understand it is a, a life and death uh, journey, they're making that choice. And why should they be aided in uh, essentially breaking immigration law? So many of these countries actually do have uh, longstanding, either economic, uh, colonial ties with um, the countries that are receiving um, a, a lot of, of 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 the migrants, you know, from those source countries, and a lot of you know these countries in Europe do have policies of applying for refugee status, for applying for asylum, um, but you have to make it there. And so, since that is a right, I mean, you know, I, I think people have to understand that the kind of desperation that forces someone to like to leave their home to leave their community to leave their children often their spouses and to know you're willingly risking death uh rape um so many terrible circumstances is extreme and i think we really have to think about what is it like to be in that situation what is it like to feel that kind of that terror and desperation and wanting to look for something better for yourself and your family? We need to take a brief pause and we'll be right back with more on the crisis of missing migrants. About 600,000 people go missing every year in the U.S., prompting family members to become amateur detectives. 
On the trail of one missing person is journalist Tanya Mosley. Why do you think you hesitated when we first met in telling me the full details about your mother's disappearance? It's heartbreaking. I didn't want to break your heart. I'm Kai Wright. Tanya Mosley joins me next time on Notes from America. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry, still with Alexis Okeowo, staff writer for The New Yorker. And we're discussing the crisis of missing migrants in the Mediterranean. In her recent piece for The New Yorker, Okeowo writes about Almi, a woman she met who has a powerful story. I was really struck by her because we met um, actually in Germany after she had done, you know, one of the most arduous journeys. She was born in Eritrea in, in the Horn of Africa, um, which is a very repressive police state. Um, she first left there with her infant because she didn't want her son to be forcibly conscripted into the military there for the rest of his life and endure all sorts of abuses. They made it to Sudan, where because they're undocumented, they were at risk of being returned to Eritrea. And so she finally decided, I'm going to try to make it to Europe, even I, though I know how dangerous it is, even though the father of her son had already died trying to make it to Europe. Um, and But she knew she would have to leave her son behind because she didn't want to risk the chance of him dying as well. Um, she did make it. And she thought, okay, now I can call for my son. I can like, he can join me. He was only eight years old at the time. Actually, he was six. And then she was told he can't actually join her because there is no proof that the father of her son was dead. Because he was in a shipwreck off the coast of Italy where, um, you know, some of the bodies were recovered, but not all of them. And there was no real sort of state effort to identify who was in, in the ship, where these bodies are, name these bodies. There was no real proof that the, the father of her son was dead, though she knew he was and his family did too. And so for eight years, she has not seen her son except for over the phone. She's been trying to get him to join um, her in Europe to no avail. And she's just stuck in this limbo. You know, I mean, getting to Europe was supposed to be the dream, and but she's still separated from her family. And so many people are like her in the situation where they've lost loved ones in the sea, in shipwrecks. Those relatives are buried in unmarked graves all across Southern Europe. There's no real effort except for a few individual efforts like at um, the University of Milan, where there's a lab trying to identify some, some shipwreck victims. But there's just um, a, a real lack of care and humanity given to people who don't make it on the journey, whose bodies turn up, and, you know, European stage to sort of look at them and are like, oh, well. You know, not taking to the fact that these people had families, had lives, had relatives who actually are in Europe. And... Um, people like Alma are stuck in this limbo. Um, and it's like these people who died, who don't have names, um, they're gone, but their presence is still all around us in a sense. It, it's a, it's an invisible crisis. Alexis Akeowo, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. 
No, thank you. Alexis Okeowo is staff writer at The New Yorker.